I'm one of those extra special people who have been rejected on both sides of my family. Hello and a heartfelt welcome to all our listeners as we embark on season four of the Family Twist podcast. I'm Kendall Austin Stulz, and my life story is a tapestry of unexpected turns from being adopted as an infant to losing my adoptive parents by the time I was 17, and then in a twist of fate, finding my birth family through the magic of DNA testing in 2017. And I'm Corey Stolz, Kendall's partner on this life adventure. When we uncovered his paternal birth family's roots on the East Coast, I knew our next chapter was calling us there to mend the missing pieces of Kendall's heart with the love of newfound relatives. Our podcast began as a single thread, a narrative of my own, but it is woven into a vibrant quilt of stories celebrating the complexities of DNA surprises, adoption, donor conception, NPEs, not parent expected, surrogacy, and the myriad ways families come together. We've been welcomed into an incredible community with each guest sharing their own family twist. And through it all, we've found strength in each other. Thank you for letting us share our passion and these remarkable stories with you. The bonds we formed with you, our listeners, and the stories you've shared have only deepened our commitment to this journey. Family Twist isn't just a podcast. It's a celebration of the unexpected ties that bind us all. Thank you for joining us on this fantastic ride. Today, we're diving back into a topic that's both fascinating and deeply personal for us and many of our guests and listeners, DNA surprises. We're talking about those moments when a simple DNA test reveals something completely unexpected about our heritage, our family, and even our identity. And joining us in this exploration are Cara and Brad from the Right to Know nonprofit. Cara is going to share her heartbreaking DNA surprise story, which led her to help found Right to Know. It's a journey that challenges what we think we know about ourselves and our families. These stories aren't just about genetics. They're about discovery, identity, and sometimes the complete redefinition of self. Absolutely. It's a reminder of how interconnected we are and how the past can suddenly step into our present. Let's get started. Hey, hey, thanks for joining us again on Family Twist. We have guests Kara and Brad today. Thank you for joining us. Hi. Great to be here. This show is all about DNA surprises, and Kara and Brad definitely have surprises. And we're going to let them get into that and also talk about this very cool organization. Who would like to begin sharing the, the surprise? Okay, I'll start. Why not? I did a DNA test, like 99% of these stories. I feel like they all start the same way. I did a DNA yeah. test because I wanted to see where in Africa my father's ancestors came from. We traced his ancestry back to three slave brothers from Texas. And I have three sons and I wanted to do a tour of Africa, like a finding your roots thing. And when you are the descendants of slaves in the United States, you don't know where in Africa you feel from. So I thought, how cool is this? You can see which part of the continent you're from and take it from there. And I was very innocent in the sense that I was like, this is going to be great. I think like a lot of us. I know sometimes people have a hard time reading their test results. For me, it was really obvious. At first, I had a little bit of a blank moment because I got my pie chart and I am exactly 50%. So I just looked at it. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm half black. Not thinking about the fact that if you have African ancestry, you are not 
half anything if you're from the United States for a number of generations, because there's a lot of mixing going mm -hmm. on. You've got some Cameroonian, some Bantu, some Nigerian. So I, if I was half Black in the United States, I would have a mix. But I, my pie chart showed half. And I looked at it and I said, Ashkenazi? I never even heard of that. I had no idea what it was. <laughs> Back then, that's what Ancestry showed it as, is Ashkenazi Jewish. Now they just say Jewish Ancestry. I'm not half Black. I'm half Jewish. My world just stopped right there. Like mm -hmm. I, one of those moments that I think is hard to describe to people, but my world stopped spinning. And I know they got the test wrong. That's what happened. Right. Yeah. So I yeah. called my friend who had worked on mapping the human genome. And I was like, hey, I got these results back and they're a little bit funny. And she said, open your thing and check your matches. Do you recognize any of the names? I did that. And I saw some names from my mom's family on my mother's side. And I said, maybe they got it half wrong. She's like, that's not possible. I just felt so dead right. because I had been lying to everybody my whole life about who I was. What does it mean for me now to be raised? I was 43, two days before my 44th birthday when I got my results that I'm no longer half black. I'm now half Jewish. And that really sent me into an identity crisis. I could not identify my family right away. It sort of felt like I was living in a purgatory space with no answers to some of these fundamental questions. I couldn't look in the mirror. I avoided the bathroom as much as possible just because I had no idea who I was looking at anymore. And I very much felt alone. I mean, who grows up thinking their dad is one person and finds out they're someone else, let alone the giant city shift for me. I lived in that space for a few months. Eventually, I was able to identify. I had a match pop up, which is often how it happens for us, right? And through there, I was able mm -hmm. to build a tree and identify my genetic father. He was deceased. My mother was 18. It was... 54 when I was conceived. So he would be way above 100 now. Wow. Yeah. And I ended up in some Facebook support groups, which was very helpful for me. But I'm an attorney by education, and I really wanted my birth certificate to be updated to reflect my accurate identity. So when my great-great-grandkids mm -hmm. were assigned that elementary school project where you do your family tree... They could get it right. I have a very rich family tree from my Jewish side. Some very interesting ancestors. And I think it's, it, it explained a lot about who I am. My mom used to say to me, I don't understand why you're good at math. And, you know, my um, genetic father was very talented in math. And he was an entrepreneur and a business person and a philanthropist which really explains how I've gravitated to those things my entire life without any history of it before. So I really <laughs> want my birth certificate to reflect the accurate information. And it's almost impossible in Washington state for me to do that. It's a paternity lawsuit. You have to have somebody to sue no. in order to do it. I hadn't really thought about it before, but the way our laws are set up for birth certificates is really about who has to pay for and is responsible for the child. Nobody really cares about after that. 
But as a society, we use those birth certificates for family history. So there's two opposing reasons why we have birth certificates. I did Mm. a TV interview with some other people about DNA surprises, a donor-conceived person, an adoptee, and another person with an NPE like me, a non-paternal event. And we had dinner afterwards and we're sitting around and we're like, we need an organization that can advocate for us that can provide education for the public about how life-altering these events are for people and that can provide mental health support for people. And so we started Right to Know. Very cool. Have you connected with your biological father's side of the family? Well, I'm one of those extra special people who have been rejected on both sides of my family. You know, we often think about reject from just the genetic side of the family. My father was extremely wealthy. And I do think when you find a genetic family where there's a significant amount of money, that can throw a wrench in the reunion process. I always say none of us are out looking for money when we find our genetic family. It's furthest thing from our mind. But that is something that pops up even when there's not a lot of money involved. What do they want? Why are they reaching out? I want to know why, like I do. I want to know my family medical history. I want to know what makes me tick. That's why I'm reaching out to you. There is really no other reason. My genetic family rejected me. I did have a first cousin who talked to me for a little while, and she did a DNA test to help me really confirm who my father was because my I did have a half-brother, and he is a little older than my mother. So at first, I assumed that he was my father, just given the age But this cousin Mm -hmm. did some testing and we were able to triangulate and confirm who my uh, genetic father was. It was his name was Sam Rubenstein. He was a real famous philanthropist in Seattle, which it was hard to get the story out of my mom, too. I'm like, Mom, how did you meet this guy? Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) and it took about a whole little bits of truth because there's a lot of shame in these situations for moms. And then my raising family, when they found out I wasn't genetically related to them, some of them also were like, oh, see you later. So there is reject from both sides sometimes. The parents that raised you, are they still with us? My mom got married at 18 to this man she just adored, Kenny, and he was a heroin addict. And within a few months, he had relapsed and left her. She was really depressed. Since she was only 18, she was looking to kind of drown her feelings and her sorrows. And so she was going to bars in restaurants because they would serve her. And that's where she met my genetic father and they had a a one night stand. So I'm the product of an extramarital affair. He didn't really clean himself up. So she divorced him. And I was really raised with just my mom and I um, and my grandparents, Kenny's parents in my life. And then they got back together at different points when I was an adult, uh, and, uh, Kenny and I, after I had children, so my kids could have a, a grandparent, a grandfather is my mother's parents were murdered when I was little and my husband's father died when he was little. So there was really no grandfathers in our family. We actually became very close the last few years of his life. He died two years ago, but that's where the name right to know comes from. After I told him I wasn't his daughter, which I have to say is probably one of the most difficult conversations I've ever had with a person. Um, He's like, oh, baby, it doesn't matter. You're still my daughter. And I would go care for him dying of COPD. And he would say, have you figured out who your family is yet? Baby, you have a right to know who they are. 
And he said that almost every day to me. And so that's where the name Right to Know came from. And he was very supportive. My mom and I had been super close. We're still close, but because this was so close for her, she had a hard time processing. And so my mm -hmm. dad really stepped up to the plate to be the supportive parent for the first time in his life through the process. Wow. That's, that's a lot to unpack. There's always a lot to unpack. My wife was one that came with the idea to look for Facebook support groups. I was like, there can't be this many people that this has happened. But you, you feel very isolated and alone when it happens because you're like, there's no way a lot of people are taking DNA tests and finding out their parents aren't their parents. Well, the first support group I found online had 6,000 members. And I'm like, this has happened to 6,000 other people. So that was great. And at the same time in that group, there was a lot of drama and consternation and things I didn't really enjoy. Like, you know, just between the members, people would, it's, it's a trauma-filled room. And if you put enough trauma-filled people together, there's explosions all the time. Of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where I was like, it's almost as stressful to be in the support group as it is just navigating it on my own. And about that time, I met somebody else who was in right to know that said, hey, you know, you should come check out our group. And I checked their group out and it was just a lot more level-headed conversation. It, people are still upset because they're having their worlds turned upside down. But there seemed to be more of a focus on growth and not really getting past it because I don't think you get past these, but learning to cope with it effectively rather than just ranting for the rest of your life. I like that better and I've stuck with them ever since eventually got asked to be a board member and here I am today. That'd be cool. You could talk just a little bit about what, what the organization is doing right now and, and what you're looking forward to doing in 2024. We want to make sure we're involving all of the communities, the assisted reproduction community, the adoption community, and the NPE community. I always say the ripple effects of a discovery just impact so many people and families. Everybody needs help. And that's what we want to, we want to provide support for anybody who needs it. Some people have a DNA surprise and they're like, okay, whatever. And they move on. And that's great. And then there right. are people who are very traumatized by it. I always like to remind everybody, there's no monolithic group. We span the level of our trauma and that's okay. There's no right or wrong answer for processing these things. We encourage <laughs> growth, encourage working through, encourage coping mechanisms and healing as we can. Right to Know has three main areas that we focus on, education, legislation or advocacy, and mental health. So we have a online submission form or a hotline that people call or an average. We average about one or sometimes a little more depending on the time of the year because everybody gets that gift for the holidays. And we're listed on Ancestry as a resource. We get parents calling us, hey, I want to tell my kid that their daughter conceived or adopted. How should I do that? Or we get people who have a discovery and we have a mentor program. We usually try to match people. If you've had a significant ethnicity shift like I did and you found out you're half Jewish like I did, I will, we will pair you with somebody else who found out they were half Jewish who's just a little bit further along in their healing process. Our mentor program is really robust and that's really where we get a lot of outreach in the mental health side of things. Right to Know has created some classes, our certified continuing education classes through the National Board of Certified Counselors to give them continuing education credit to learn how to help 
those of us who are reaching out to them because it's such a broad scope of things that are impacted. It's huge. So important because, you know, we, you know, we've done 60 or so of these and there are a lot of people that, you know, they, they go that route. They're willing to go to talk to a therapist, but they're it's just, they're not prepared to help them that way. And yeah. so, yeah, it's, I mean, and obviously, as you know, the community is getting bigger and bigger. So we need more and more therapists to be doing what, you know, they're doing through organizations. So kudos. On the numbers, we say at minimum 5% of the population has misattributed parentage. If you go on our website, righttoknow.us, we have studies that show where we get this 5% from. So as more people do the over-the-counter DNA test, more people are going to be having their just discoveries and they they're going to need help and support and one of the ways that we do that is through education and that's really what we've been focusing on in this last year at right to know we'll continue to focus on we're trying to get outside of our echo chamber and talk to other organizations spread information so we went to the national genealogical conference i'm speaking at the national genetic counselors conference in a couple of weeks we're also going to be speaking at roots tech which has a lot of people attending because we want people to understand this is so nuanced and so life-changing for people. And hopefully there can be more empathy when people have these discoveries and understanding. Education has really been our focus and we're going to continue to do that. We've advocated for legislation for assisted reproduction because it's an unregulated industry in the United States. In Europe and Australia, there's regulations, but we don't have any. David Berry on our board is the product of Dr. Fertility Fraud. And so we have mm. had legislation in one state making it a crime if there's any sort of lying at all in assisted reproduction, including by the donors, as well as creating a civil cause of action. And that's been enacted in Nevada, in Nevada and Iowa. And then we have it in Michigan, New York, Washington. And we also have a federal bill that we introduced. And I'm hoping that we start working probably in Washington state for the first time on that birth certificate issue. We advocate for a change in birth certificates that include genetic parents and then legal parents. And that way, genetic identity Mm -hmm. is lost for adoptees, for donor conceived, and for people with an MPE. So when you turn 18, you can look at that long form birth certificate that has genetic mom, genetic dad, and legal parent in That could be three parents. It could be three men, two women, whomever is legally responsible for the child. And that's really a direction we want to go with advocacy. And then the other big thing that we're excited about, we had the first conference for adoptees, donor conceived, and people with an MPE and family and parents and professionals. Lots of therapists were there. Mm. This year in 2023, it was in Louisville. And we're going to be doing that again next year in Denver, Colorado, April 25th through the 28th. So we're really excited about that. We just opened speaker proposals. It looks like we're going to have an awesome array. We have two full days of speaker panels and speakers and creative workshops. And we have a night of different movies one night related to the communities. We're going to have live musicals about our discoveries as well one night. It'll be a lot of fun. I, I went to my first conference like this. Gosh, about a year ago for birth moms in adoption and adoptees. And it is amazing to walk into a room and just be fully understood. Like you don't have to explain your discovery to anybody. And it's like this weight you didn't even know you had 
that you wear all the time is gone. It's an amazing feeling. So I encourage people to come have community with us for that. That's great. Awesome. That's yeah. Wonderful. Well, I know this isn't going to be the last time that we uh, connect uh, with your organization because you're doing amazing things and, you know, other members of your board or members of the organization that are, you know, that are open to sharing their stories. Of course, you know, we would love to have them on as guests because I think it's so important that more people, you know, share their truth and it's, you know, it's going to help that next person who hears stories like yours to, you know, start to realize that, okay, well, maybe I can be, maybe I can start coping a little bit better too. And and then share my story and help that next person. We, we'd love to stay connected. So would we, but it's been awesome. It's been great to chat with you guys. Maybe we'll see you at Summit. Thank you. Yeah. Kettle just wrote the dates. I, I, I think I underestimated how, how therapeutic that this podcast would be for me. And I can only see that these types of events would just help me more because my story has been overwhelmingly positive, but there have been some bumps along the road and I never, uh, I never expected to have the bumps because I'm, I'm very delusional sometimes about how things are going to (laughs) go. And so I, I could use the extra help by finding community. Yeah. My first conference was the Untangling Our Roots this year. And it is just being around people that understand already the trauma side of it and you don't have to worry. I, I'm assuming you're in the same boat I am that if anybody asks part of my story, I immediately try to decipher, do I want to tell you my story? Do I want to open this can of worms with you? Do I just want to really gloss over this and not talk to you about it? And to be in a room full of people that there's no hesitations. I mean, people are still surprised because everybody's story is still like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened to you. Right. It's still a room full of people that have all had it happen. And there's not that, you know, I mean, the first time somebody looked at me, and was like, well, what's the big deal? I was like, well, call me when you find out your parents aren't your parents and tell mm-hmm. me if it's a big deal or not. Right. So to not have that, those questions and just be able to be like, yeah, it's everybody agrees. It's a mess. Mm-hmm. And, and thank y'all for having us on. Kara's story really highlights the emotional roller coaster that comes with DNA surprises. It's profound. These revelations can shape the very foundation of our identity and family narratives. Kara's journey, especially with Right to Know organization, shows the importance of support and resources in navigating these waters. And it's staggering to consider that a significant portion of the population might experience something similar. The statistics Kara mentioned about misattributed parentage events really puts things into perspective. Definitely. These stories underscore the complexities of heritage, identity, and the deeply personal nature of DNA discoveries. It's not just about the science, it's about the human experience behind it. And speaking of human experiences, next time we'll have Brad from Right to Know sharing his wild DNA surprise story. If you thought today's episode was intriguing, you won't want to miss what Brad has to share. So stay tuned for that, and thank you all for joining us today on Family Twist.